As a young girl, I remember paying frequent visits to my grandfather, who worked as the sole gravedigger in the old Irish cemetery near my house. My mom would take me and my older brothers there in the afternoons to bring my grandfather lunch. We'd often find him taking a smoke break in the tool shed attached to the back end of the cemetery, straw hat shading his eyes, an oversized green jacket tied around his waist. My brothers and I would beg him to let us ride in the giant green tractor he used to get around the cemetery. He'd occasionally oblige, and we'd get to be carted around the grounds while gazing in wonder at all the stones. I remember my oldest brother referring to the masses of gravestones as pieces to a chessboard. It was fun thinking that we were surrounded by pawns, kings, and queens, forever frozen in place. There were days where I got the chance to watch my grandfather at work. Shovel in hand, he would muster all the strength he had in his lanky body to break through solid ground, hoist the dirt over his shoulder, and bring the shovel blade down to do it over and over again. It was laborious work for a 75-year-old man, but he did it with unwavering grit and over a decade of experience. The sight of my grandfather standing six feet in a grave was unnerving, but he admired the craft and thought nothing could be more honorable and sacred than preparing one's eternal resting place. At the time, I didn't think there was anything noble about digging gigantic holes, but now I understand his point. Years go by, and my grandfather eventually died after a prolonged battle with cancer. He's buried in the same cemetery he once dug graves in, his gravestone standing at the cemetery's apex. It's a tall, rose-gold-colored cross etched with Celtic designs, an homage to his Irish heritage, a work of art surrounded by decrepit, nameless stones. Since my grandfather's death, my mother and I visited at least once a week, but unfortunately this habit waned as the years went by. Yet out of all of our visits, one in particular stands out in my mind and will remain with me for the rest of my life. It was November 13th, the anniversary of my grandfather's death seven years previous. I stopped by the cemetery after my class since I promised my mother I'd place a holiday wreath on my grandfather's grave before returning home. It had been snowing all morning and afternoon, so the cemetery grounds gleamed a pristine sheet of white, void of any footsteps made by the living. Upon passing through the black iron gates and entering the cemetery, I noticed how eerily empty the grounds were. Usually, there was at least one other living soul in the place, but it was just me. I started my ascent up the hill toward the gravestone that marked my grandfather's resting place, the snow gently crunching beneath my boots. As I grew closer to the top of the hill, however, I realized that my grandfather's gravestone was abnormally obstructed from my view. It took me a moment to realize that someone was already there and standing before his grave, an uncommon sight since it was usually just my mother and me who visited. I couldn't help but wonder who the stranger was, but something in my gut convinced me to remain where I stood and not make a sound. Despite the growing apprehensiveness in the pit of my stomach, I surrendered to my intuition and silently observed the figure from the back. Yet within moments, a wave of sudden realization slammed into me as my eyes absorbed the stranger's features that were unmistakably my grandfather's. Lanky body, oversized green jacket, straw hat. No, it couldn't be him. Confusion overwhelming me, I furiously rubbed my eyes together, thoroughly convinced they were deceiving me. There was no way this person 30 feet away from me was my grandfather. He was dead and buried beneath the ground. 
When I opened my eyes, the figure had vanished from my view. My heart thudded wildly against my chest as I raced up the remainder of the hill as fast as my shaky legs could carry me, abandoning the holiday wreath in sudden haste. Am I imagining things? I thought. Who the hell did I just see? Was there someone really here, or is my mind playing tricks on me? My heart plummeted into my stomach when I discovered a fresh set of footprints mere inches from the gravestone. Casting a few panicked glances down at the snow-covered ground, I noticed that there were no trails of footprints going up and down the hill other than mine. And upon glancing around the entire cemetery, there wasn't a soul to be found. I was, and had been, undeniably alone this whole time. It was then I began to hear the dull thudding of a shovel's blade against the earth. My sense of sound amplified as I remained frozen to the spot, dread slowly seeping into me. Without a doubt, I knew this was the sound of a grave being dug, the shovel blade breaking through solid ground and being brought down to do it over and over again. Except that graves hadn't been hand dug since my grandfather died. Except there was no one else in that cemetery but me. It was then I realized this grave digging sound was a phantom one, and it was coming right from where I stood. Any sense of bravery deserted me in that moment as I retreated down the hill, out of the cemetery, and into my car, where I drove like a bat out of hell in sheer desperation to leave the phantom sound behind me. I could still hear the sound echoing in my mind, even when I was long gone. Now, any sane person would think these experiences would scare me to the point where I'd be afraid to ever set foot in the cemetery again. But they only bring me back. Hi! I'm Jamie Markey. And I am a part Irish Michael Tatum. Aren't we all? Probably. That's true. This is America. It is yeah, America. A lot of hey, Irish here. And that's I'm proud not- of it. Guess what, guys? We have a guest. Woohoo! Woohoo! This is Caitlin Glass. Hi, guys. I'm Caitlin Glass. Um, Do you want to tell them about yourself? Uh, I am also part Irish. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's why she's here today. That's why they asked me here. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This comes out just a couple days after, but it'll be fun. But if you're Irish, you'll still be celebrating. That's right. Happy St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Yeah, you might still be hungover. Or just or Patrick's drinking Day. to keep. Are you Irish? Over. Then yes, that's just doesn't have to be <laughs> yeah, St. Patrick's that's true. Day. Yeah. That's just true. Any right. day. But I mean, <laughs> the Irish get such a just a I bad know. rap. Every culture has drunkards. It's okay. That's Irish. true. It's okay. You're but just more Irish fun at so it. They're eloquent. professional about they're it. They really are. Like if you've if you've never been told a story by a drunk Irish a drunk old Irishman in a pub. Have you ever been told a story? Exactly. <laughs> like the rest of it's all just derivative crap. It's true. It's so true. It's, it's what every it's other nothing. pub story aspires you, to you're be. You're sitting in an old tattered booth with like weird plates on the walls across from some guy that looks like Dumbledore. Yeah. And you maybe catch every other word because like his accent way, is so thick. Like little bit dirt, quite a bit dirtier. Quite a bit, quite a bit not dirtier shiny. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, you like, know, he's got like a tweed. Oh, oh, dirt, dirty. Oh, that's yeah. not, I was thinking. No, oh, no. dirty, a bit dirty. Also, or that, and that kind of dirty too. Like I mean, those are my. That was the kind fairness, of old man I like. We have not seen that side of Dumbledore. He had, could have that whole other side. We just see him in professor mode. Oh well, okay. I like that's... him in Jude Law mode. Yeah, <laughs> now, Jude Law can be as dirty as he wants. Well, and apparently he he gets that way. 
<laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to get in trouble. It's, he's not Irish, though, is he? Jude Law isn't, but here's something interesting, and I'm sorry for everybody out there listening who knows the names of all the Harry Potter actors, because I just don't. Mm-hmm. So the second actor to play Dumbledore... Michael Gambon. Is Irish. He's, he's, he I, I think, is he Richard the one who Harris, was Irish? Richard Harris. Richard was Harris Irish. was Irish, and so Dumbledore, uh, as played by Michael Gambon, gives him a slight Irish lilt as an homage to Richard Harris. Well, um, Jude Law does it too. <gasps> yeah. yeah, but it's so slight, it's so, so slight it's that just, like yeah. only if, very, you, if you study dialects, you, you pick up on it. Right. But if you don't, you're just like, oh, well, he's good it's at being slight, young Dumbledore. Little, yeah, young oh, well, meaning so still cool. like fifty or so. Have you seen those movies? I, I haven't. I haven't yet. I Sorry. I want to just because I love I love Dumbledore. Like, yeah, I love, I we love digress. That, I'm that gave sorry. me feeling. Do you know that Dumbledore is Old English for Bumblebee? Oh, that's, that's adorable. From Bumblebee. He was like the first Transformer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very first one mm-hmm. ever. Dumbledore gets around you guys. He does. Um, well, yeah. so what's the, today's episode title? We have we have to have a title, right? Did we right. decide on the title? Yes, right? you it's have called, it. Do, did we already I say? Forget. And this is. Oh, and this is no. school intentions. <laughs> <laughs> This is why we need guests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listen. Yeah. I listen to the podcast, so I know that sometimes it takes a while before we get around to right. saying the title. And I almost yeah. always forget to say the title. And I, and That's I why I remember. say my name first. That's all I can remember. <laughs> One thing at a time. That's right. That's right. So. I started the whole thing of adding an adjective to my name, and I'm going to run out of them because I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I am today. <laughs> this is easy because I can be like, I'm part Irish. Uh, so this this episode title is an abiding sense of tragedy, which mm. comes from the great Irish poet W. B. Yeats, or Yeats, depending on how you want to how Irish you are. Yeats. And the quote, which is um, just it's attributed to him, uh, but as where specifically it comes from, we're not quite sure. But it's a beautiful quote. It's being Irish, he had an abiding sense of tragedy, which sustained him through temporary periods of joy. this is just a great it's such an Irish thing to say I love the Irish like I'm a book nerd you guys we all know this I'm a lit nerd and I figure Mm -hmm. like if it's not written by a British woman uh, an an Irish anybody or a Russian from about the time of the czars I don't fucking care right it's true he doesn't I really don't it Mm -hmm. doesn't make it right it's just his opinion true (laughs) <laughs> something that you should all just take with you in general when mm-hmm. you hear or read anything in life. Yeah, it doesn't make it right. It's just their opinion. It's just, just their opinion. opinion. Yeah. And that's, and that's just okay. saying, if you're reading uh, the Irish, oh, the Irish. Yeah. Just their language, their relationship to language. Mm-hmm. There, there's mm-hmm. such musicality in, in their everyday speech. Like when uh, we've all been to Ireland, uh, yes. Ireland yeah. everyone in this room. Yeah. And there's something about just the way they use language. Like they just kind of. Bend it almost to the point of breaking, and just to get these really great, clever uh, quips, mm-hmm. like a nay word of a lie. I got, I just love that when we were in Ireland. That was yeah. the guy that we were hanging out with, like said that I was, oh, nay word of a lie, which is just a wonderful way of saying no shit, yeah, um, <laughs> or no bullshit. I'm like, oh, that's so elegant, and it's got it even. It's like it's like the perfect little poetic foot. It's just you know, yeah. nay word of a lie. I love Ireland. Um, when I was, I always felt like I was on an adventure of some sort. Yeah, constantly. I don't know what it is about the place. I think that. Regardless of how big of a city you're in, and I, I don't only been to Dublin and Cork, but nothing there is terribly tall. The tallest things are like mm-hmm. the old churches. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're stuck inside some big downtown and how are you ever going to get out? Right. Or it just, it feels like an endless city of possibilities in front of you because you could just keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing's ever blocking your way. 
Yeah, it's true. It's very, I don't know if the Irish true. feel that way, but that's what it felt like to <laughs> yeah. Tony and I. And being there was so, it felt so comfortable. Mm-hmm. It just felt like being mm-hmm. at home. And it I'd was. never, ever been. I didn't go until I was, you know, an adult. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been a couple of times. The first time I went, uh, it was in Dublin, and I went down to Cork, and then over to Gall. No, I went over Galway? to Dingle, and up to Galway, and then over. And then uh, the second time, it was Cork. Mm-hmm. I love Cork. Mm-hmm. So Cork, Cork to me is like just I love it. It's one of my favorite places on earth because it is so quintessentially Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that uh, if you happen to be there over Easter, that you can't drink alcohol on Easter? That's like the only day they don't serve alcohol. Wow. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, seems like it was the very kind of strange. They'd have a rule like that. Yeah, it was just like you can't I'm in go- Ireland and I can't go to the pub to get a drink. Uh. But it's not like you can't have it. If you have it in your home, you go can ahead. Yeah. I mean, how would they know? Yeah, it's like Oklahoma <laughs> on a Sunday. Just <laughs> <laughs> want but Ireland one day. It's true. It's true. Like you have to be like, are we are we drinking anything tomorrow? Because we got to get that alcohol today. And you have to go to the. You can't uh, get full, like alcohol point beer. At least when I lived there, you couldn't. Um, unless you go to the liquor the store. Liquor store. And then you can't buy it cold. You have to buy it. So many, so many weird, mm-hmm. like just like putting up these barriers, and I feel like the people that make those laws don't know alcoholics very well. No, because <laughs> if you want, because it's okay, just go get the cheap stuff, or and just drink more of it. Or if you want, like it doesn't matter if it's not cold. If yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> like, does it have alcohol know, I'm not in sure it? I can I'm gonna drink it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, not me. Can't but, expect but, me to but, drink right. this mad dog. Warm? Oh, like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Tastes the same cold or warm. Really. Speaking of, of drinks, we are we are definitely having Irish mules. We are ha- yes, Irish yes. mules that today. We are. Clink. Over clink. The, clink. What is it? Clink. Slancha. Slancha. Uh, slancha. What is it? Slancha? Mm-hmm. No, slancha. Slancha. Cilantro? It's not. <laughs> Sriracha? Oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> it's only part Irish, you guys. <laughs> the words, though. The Irish words Irish. are really what he loves. <laughs> um... <laughs> He's but, not Irish, not Gaelic, so I guess we'll give him a pass. Uh-huh. The first time, uh, though, I was there when I was in, I went down to Cork. So what I wanted to do when I went was uh, go to all of these, because it fascinates me that there are just ruins from the 1100s just hanging out in someone's field. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's and everywhere. Not, there's, no, there's no big to do about them. It's like, oh, no, yeah, this is there. just, you know, and we can go on that land. Yeah, exactly. Farmer Brown has nothing that can keep yeah. you from it. It's a... It's a national treasure. Yeah, and uh, w- there's uh, a guy that I met, and you got, you know him as well, uh, yeah. Niall. Nice. Niall, and um, he's like the only one in, in Cork. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he fucking knows everybody in he Cork. He does. And yeah. Dublin. Like- yeah. He's great. And uh, I was telling him that I wanted, that I was trying to go to all of these different areas, and, there, and I saw, I think I had a book told you about the different ones where they were and everything and I was talking about this when he's like oh I know exactly where it that is let's go there I've never been there so he took me and we go and it's super cool it was from the 1100s and it's this tower that's real like it, I felt so tall because I could touch the ceiling and everybody else had to stoop to go up and we go up I think it was four stories tall because you ended up going later mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. stories tall and uh it was just amazing, and it was, you know, their tower to protect, and then there were ruins of the rest of it, but the tower itself um, was, the bottom of it was full of, like, beer cans and, like, Aww. weed paraphernalia. <laughs> it was like, right. all right, well, cool. And so... So also like Oklahoma. Yeah. 
wow. Very much so. It was interesting. <laughs> uh, but when we went, like, we had to walk through a field, and it was kind of rainy, and so we got muddy and all of that stuff, and we went in, and by the time I got back, it was just, like, everything was covered in mud, so I just packed it <laughs> all into a Ziploc bag and <laughs> stored it. I'll deal with that when I get home. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is not <laughs> worth it. It was funny, too, because it was a... Uh, there were a few of us there, and it was a cow pasture. And for me, like, it's not a big deal. You just make your way through the cows. Mm-hmm. But some of the people there had not been used to... Cows. Cows. And they were like, is this... Are we okay? It's like, that's, push it. It's fine. It's, it's not going to do anything. It's just a cow. <laughs> it's just a cow. It's a cow, yeah. They're big, but... <laughs> just don't look it in the eye. <laughs> right? Just, did you look at it? Did you look at it? Oh, you made it angry. Oh, God. Oh, all right. Now, not don't... Not all of us are going to get out of this field now. Back away run. slowly. God bless and luck. good luck. Yeah, once you look at them in the eye, you can't stop looking at them in the eye. Don't blink. Don't or blink. Give, it's yeah. like the ghosts from Mario. Like, you give oh, them permission to charge. That's right. Um, but anyway, we explored everything or whatever, and it was really fun. And I had an amazing time. So much fun. I think I spent 10 days there oh, the first mm, time and mm. uh, came home. And I guess after a few weeks, noticed, like, there was some weird stuff going on in my house. Oh. Yeah, like, um, I at the time I had a bed that had those touch lamps on the mm-hmm, side of it, mm-hmm. and um, so and it had three settings. So and there was one on each side of the bed. So if you touched once, it uh, was bright, and then it got dimmer and dimmer, dimmer and, and then, then went off. off. Yeah, okay. and I would wake up in the middle of the night with that light on, and I'd turn it off and go to sleep and wake up, and it would be on. And I'd turn mm-hmm. it off, and it happened constantly. And so one time. And it was, it was like a little creepy. It felt like, you know, the, there was a dog in the house at the time and, uh, he would freak out at stuff, like just start barking down the stairs. Aggressively. Aggressively. He wasn't an aggressive. No, no. He had never been aggressive before, but, and he would be scared. Like he would be shivering and barking down the stairs. And that was really unnerving. And, uh, I would walk around the house with him and, and try to say, you know, everything's okay. Look, we're walking through the house. Of course, then I would be mildly terrified at the same time. <laughs> and go around, and, and you could just see he was ready to find something and just very anxious. And we'd go back upstairs, and he would turn around and start growling and barking down the stairs again. Um, and so then one night I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I had done all of that with him, and he was still barking, and I was like, come on in. And I went into my bedroom and called him in with me, and shut the door, and I was like, we'll just be in here for now. <laughs> just like, whatever's out there can stay out there. Mm. And then he stood up on the foot of the bed and started barking and growling at the door the same way. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it was so creepy. And then one day, the lights were doing the thing. And I, like, would make sure that I wasn't touching it and nothing was happening. And so it kept happening, so I just unplugged it. And the other light on the other side of the bed was actually plugged into a different wall that happened to be on a different fuse. And... Uh, as soon as I unplugged that one, within 10 minutes, the other one started doing the same thing. <gasps> yeah. Uh, Michael's nodding. Did he experience mm-hmm. any yeah, of this? Yeah, yeah. We, well, we, this is, so... <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. it's really... It's, so it was I, so much fun. Uh, <laughs> for, for me, not yeah, for you. Not yeah. for you, because you had to live there. It was creepy. It was really creepy mm-hmm. and, and, and unnerving. And before that, uh, it was kind of exciting, because this house was like a dead zone. It felt like there was really nothing there, and it and I have not had that most houses I've lived in. So it was really nice. And and then it was like, what? Where did this come from? What is happening? And we went, uh, let's see, we were, we went to Hank's. Yes. Have you been there? The German place? Yes, it's so good. And we had had, uh, I had had 
a I lot of had, German beer. It's <laughs> the had, best kind if you're going to have a lot of a beer. Right, oh, right. it was so good. True. And we went, uh, I was telling Michael about everything, and he was like, let's go investigate it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's go investigate it. Because so, you'll only do it if you've had a few drinks. If you're not drunk, you're like, no, I'm fucking like, no. no. And I'm like, idea. come on, let's go. I become an eight-year-old. I'm like, but there's something outside that's supernatural and might kill us. We have to go see. Yeah, sober, mm-hmm. and he's like... Ask it a question. And I'm like, I don't want it to answer. No. <laughs> That's, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> so, But it was like, okay, let's go. So uh, I remember um, a lot of the time I was upside down on the couch because I... It felt comfortable to me in that moment, and it was it was ridiculous. Like because we had our phone apps. Me and yeah. Brandon. Yeah, and we had our phone apps out, and we were walking through <laughs> with our uh, EMF detectors, right? And then yeah, checking out like everything all... and seeing if. We had different types of phones at the yes, time. We did. You had a smartphone. I still had my Android. Uh huh. And they sort totally different apps yeah. for this stuff, and they're just like they're totally just BS, cheesy, whatever, cheesy, like just there to have fun. But they weren't. They totally started getting weird results. Yeah, like in a way that we were like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't. That's not funny, you guys. Yeah, and I've talked about this app from my phone where it would say a name, yes. and uh, have you heard that? Like, because it would say a name. Yeah. Yeah. And most of it, it was crap. The first time it creeped me out, but then the rest of it was just crap. And so it was like whatever. And so he had one, I was, and they both had different EVP things, and so mine was the one that it would pick up the word that's being said in the room. And his was one that would record and ask questions. And eventually, after not too long, actually, his phone would ask a question, and my phone would answer it. Ooh. And it's not like my phone, if you asked a question to my phone, that an answer that had never happened before. So Brandon had his phone out too. Yeah. And his app was like the little radar that was mm-hmm. like, who's want to see if we're ghosts near you. And it's just supposed to like freak you out. There's yeah. nothing. It's not it's detecting not legitimately. Anything. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever been on a boat that has a fish finder, that's what it's, <laughs> that's what it's, like. <laughs> it's kind of like that, yeah. but it's total bullshit. Um, and so it's, it's, so there was a moment where, you know, you were, um, you were t- and you were like you were getting mad because it was just like the words coming up on your phone were just bullshit. It was yeah. like cemetery or like rock, and you're like, oh, oh, cool, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I was out on the stairs, and um, and Brandon was like looking. Oh, there's one at the window. There's supposed to be one over here, you know. And ooh, you know, we're all like freaking ourselves out, just being drunk and stupid. Yeah. And then at some point, um, my phone it would just ask, you know, this that that, that creepy electronic voice would come out something like would you like us to stop and jamie's phone immediately goes yes <laughs> oh and then we're like oh oh, oh, oh what? and so we, we all laughed and then we're like that's okay that's pretty good that's freaky yeah. and then another time it said something about like where are you and your phone immediately like it, in perfect time because it's the, like the it word generator people. is supposed yeah. to be you know just random, random. so it'll, you know come up maybe a couple minutes 30 seconds whatever and now it would start answering this question. Really fast, yeah. And so the next question, or later on, it asked a question like, where are you? And it said, like, bathroom. And I was standing near the bathroom right at the time. Yeah. And on Brandon's phone, a little little dot came up on the radar near where I was next to the bathroom. And I was like, that's weird, guys. That's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And Maybe we should stop. I know. And so <laughs> this ended with me being upside down on the sofa. 
like my feet were on the back of the sofa and my head was <laughs> on the floorish area and I was flopping around having a great time and laughing at them. It was a meditation post. It was meditation. It was meditation. And then I basically just cussed whatever it was out and told it to get the fuck out of my house. I don't want you here. Go away. And then uh, it wasn't until later that I realized it stopped. Everything stopped after that. And I had this appointment with a psychic not too much longer after that. And I was like, hey, so what was in my house? That's all I asked her. And she was like, oh, you were, you went out of the country and you brought something back with you, like dirt. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, like, where did you go? And I said, Ireland. And she was like, oh, you have a puka. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, it's a land spirit. You brought it. It saw you wherever you were and you have, you brought dirt back and it came with the dirt because it was infatuated with you and wanted to see what you were doing and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, the reason that the dog was scared is because it becomes this like creature, right? A a puka is, you know, it's a land spirit, but it often presents itself as an animal of some sort and, and it does not like other animals. So it would kind of my dog. Yeah, so it would, it would act like it was coming at him, mm. and it was scaring him, but he was also protecting me from it, which is sweet. Aww. And um, I was like, well, dirt. I didn't bring home dirt. And she was like, did you come home with, like, muddy clothes or something? And I was like, I did do that. And she was like, yeah, it was a puka. And I told her it seemed to be gone, and she said it was probably because I told it to go away. But that's interesting. It went away. Yeah. And then, okay, so then we did this convention <laughs> in Ireland. <laughs> this is great. I guess it's about three years ago now. Yeah, I just want to say, because I'm going to forget, you make a joke that my dog is a puka. When we were in Ireland, it's is when uh, uh, my dog, she'd been born already, and we'd chosen her from the breeder, but at this point yeah. couldn't bring her home yet. Right. And the breeder would send us pictures and say, let me know when you think of a name, and we'll start using the name with the dog before you bring oh, her sweet. home. Mm-hmm. And we'd been tossing around some ideas. We thought maybe another Spanish name, because Torito, our older dog, is a Spanish name. Different stuff. And then while in Ireland, we open up the email with a new picture from her. And our dog, uh, she's a French bulldog for you folks at home, um, but she's uh, pied white and red. Mm-hmm. And so her head is all red. And I said, oh, what a bonnie wee puppy. And we went, <laughs> bonnie. <laughs> and so our dog got her name while we were in Ireland. Oh, how funny. And she hates other animals, so maybe she's a she's little, little puka. Maybe she's, she's got a little, little puka. puka. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all a little Irish, even yeah. Frenchies. That's right. We're all a little Irish. Uh, okay, so then so, your other experience. Yeah, so we were at a convention, and we were doing a ghost story panel. This was uh-huh, before, uh-huh. you know, we were doing the podcast or anything, of uh-huh. course, but... Uh, uh, it was a huge room. We were pa- a packed room with yeah, ghost stories. Yeah, it was stories. like a lecture hall. Yeah, at the college <gasps> there. And Fine. so we asked, first of all, who believes in ghosts? Because it's nice to kind of get an idea. And about, I'd say half of the people raise their hands. Yeah. And then I start telling the story. And when I said it was a puka, the entire audience gasped <laughs> collectively and started talking amongst themselves about, oh, like, oh, oh it's a puka. Believers and non-believers are like, oh, I mean, everybody that's was like, oh, you know. no. And I asked, I was like, hold on. Like, 
Only 50% of you believe in ghosts, but all everybody in here believes in pukas, and they were all like, yes. Well, that's when they get specific. They're like, oh, you ask if we believe in ghosts. We don't believe in ghosts, but fucking pukas. Absolutely. Not a ghost. A puka's not a ghost. Puka's a spirit. Different thing. Different thing entirely. It was really, really funny. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah. That's funny. And puka, so it makes me think, so in the play, which was made into a movie in the... I want to say the 40s or 50s starring James Stewart Harvey yeah. um, about I, I played the the character uh, Elwood P. Dowd the guy mm-hmm. that sees Harvey and for listeners that don't know it's a really it's a it's a delightful little movie you should watch it sometime and if you ever have the chance to do the play or see it you should it's really a lot of fun but it's about a guy that you know is this wacky fun but very caring and warm individual who's a little eccentric and that he has an imaginary friend named harvey who's supposed to be a giant rabbit and he explains to people and like people that know him and his life are kind of like oh yeah it's it's elwood he's really sweet harvey just kind of comes with the territory deal with it and they kind of humor him and the comedy comes from people that are like what what what? excuse me he's what and so anyway but and it turns out at the very end spoilers that harvey is real yeah. And he's a giant rabbit, and uh, Elwood P. Dowd makes a big, you know, whenever he explains it to people, he tells them, oh, he's a puka. Yeah. He's a puka. He's a puka, which is really interesting. And my grandma, it was one of my grandmother's favorite plays, and this is why she really wanted to tr- me to try out for it when it came. Aww. Uh, when there was, she was like, oh, please do it. And I won. She was delighted. It was one of the, one of the few things she got to see me do uh, when I started acting a lot Sweet. on stage. And um, in her final weeks, when she was in the hospital, passing away, uh, she would occasionally come to, and she would look, and every now and again, she started calling her IV, her little, little, little whatever, the medicine stand, she started calling it her puka. Aww. And we all thought it was really adorable, and she's like, Is the, um, she always, throughout her entire life, she'd always call, she like just made up words for things, because she's mm-hmm. a brilliant woman, but she'd forget, like, what's that, what's uh, d- that doodad over there? You mean a chair, Mimi? Yes. <laughs> chair that's exactly what i meant <laughs> so she just make up like doodad doohickey whatever and then she started calling this thing i need to uh, tell the nurse about the uh the puka and we all made we're like are you seeing pukas yes i'm seeing pukas <laughs> so, yeah. so funny um, yeah uh, that was my you know what the other crazy thing that happened the last time i was there is i went into in cork they had the titanic exhibit oh, neat. and i've never really been like a big find out everything about the titanic thing it's you know, I know how the movie ends. I've <laughs> literally never seen the movie, though. Oh. Ever. So. I saw it on opening night. Yeah. As Same. A little, as a little teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it coming out. Good memories with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and the, But then it was just like, I know how it ends. Um, <laughs> but I, I ended up going with my friend Amy, and it ended up being the, what was it? The hundred, the hundred? No. 105th anniversary to the day yeah. that it sank when we were there. Oh. And it that was the cork was the last stop mm-hmm. before it took off. Yeah, it was his last. And so that was just work. a really when we got in there and we were talking and then they're like it happened. Like like 105 years today. Today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like it was just like heightened the whole experience. So that was kind of a weird thing mm-hmm. too. There was mm-hmm. a, there every time I'm there, there's some like weird coincidences that happen and we had a weird experience when, when stumble into fun stuff. Uh, into oh, the yeah. old uh, gunpowder factory or right. the remnants. It was just a field or like a, a overgrown field with a few structures and it's still standing. And we just kind of hung out there and it was there were several of us and Niall and Brandon and um, uh, oh, the, uh, there was someone else with us and I, I can't remember his name. He was super sweet. Um, but he went with us and we were, you and I kind of held back because we're like, we're getting a weird feeling. We're yeah. just going to sit right here near this tree while you guys go forward well, into the brush. Well, because it's just... And, 
Yeah, you're walking, and on there, it's kind of like a little pathway. And then on each side of you, there's like this old, like, you know, gunpowder stuff, things, mm-hmm. big yeah, like an old, metal there's things. There's an old forge and old this, that, and the doorways other. Doorways like, yeah, and stuff doorways, like that. Arches. And at one point, I started to walk. And it, like, have you ever walked down a street and you passed an alley and you felt like, oh, I need to get past this alley. You know what I mean? Like something's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. And Mm -hmm. I immediately was like, and I slowed down and then Michael started to slow down and he was like, are you? I was like, I am. Are you? And he was like, I am. And (laughs) we're both like, where is it right now? And I'm like, and we're like, we like pointed it count out. Count of three. Like, we're like, okay, one, two, three. Point, both the point tree. at the tree. <laughs> it's like one tree of like dozens. And we're like, that one, it's right over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, that was really creepy. And it didn't help that Niall had told us. Now, like, sometimes when you walk out here, you, we just find uh, with the walkers. The walkers. walkers. The walkers. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, it's just old folk. They get lonely and they just can't sleep. So they just walk and sometimes you just talk to them and you go, hello, boy. Oh, let's talk to you for a second. And <laughs> oh. we're like, so sometimes you may, you may, you know, and they, you know, they, they just kind of walk around. So don't be afraid of them. They're not, they're not homeless. They're just out and about. You yeah. know, and we're Aww. like, that's kind of terrifying, but I kind right. of want it to happen because I'm like, oh, oh, okay, now tell me a story. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've caught you. I'm just going to catch tell an me. old Irish person by the beard just... and be like, where's your gold? <laughs> tell me a story. They are Pokemon. No. <laughs> they are not. Allegedly. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Got to catch all the Irish. Um. So, okay, so what's fun is that Caitlin offered to do our hysteria today. Yeah, it's kind of a combo hysteria personal experience. Yeah. Whatever's. Personal hysteria. Yeah, so uh, while in Ireland in 2014, uh, Tony, that's my husband, Tony and I went on a little. I guess technically it was a ghost tour, but it's more like just a walking tour mm-hmm. of Dublin. And along the way, because of all of the history of the place, they'll tell you dark and scary stuff because that these, those things are legends or whatever. Right. Um, so it was like November, um, which I guess is maybe an off season because there was no one else on the tour besides Tony and I and the guide. Oh, <laughs> just wow. the three of us. And we went around to a variety of different places that were neat, but um, one in particular uh, really stuck out, so I thought that I would share what that is all about. So the last place, if you're ever in Dublin, please look up, uh, I think it's called Hidden Dublin, is the Mm. name of the touring, uh, little walking tours. The last place that you will visit is called the Gates of Hell. Ah, Mm -hmm. fun. Isn't that nice? (laughs) Yeah, because you go about and you do the whole tour, and he's like, all right, are you ready? Now we're, I'm taking you to the gates of hell. And we're like, excuse me, what? <laughs> what? I feel like I should sign a disclaimer. Is yeah, it the British that. embassy? <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> uh, so, um, and this was at night, but by no means was it super late. You know, right. Maybe by the end of the tour we were reaching 10 p.m. or something. So it's not like the witching hour or right. anything incredibly creepy. People are out and about in the city. Um, but so the gates of hell are <laughs> located near <laughs> this church whose name we looked up before we got started. Mm-hmm. And I've already forgotten. St. Audiens. St. Audiens. A-U-D-O-E-N-S. St. Audiens Church. And uh, the gates themselves are in what remains of the old wall of the city of Dublin. So it's incredibly old, hundreds of years old. And uh, the church is situated in such a way that if you're on one side of the church, you're at a certain street level. 
And then if you go back around, you're going to end up going down. So where the gates are located, these the gates in question, you're actually <laughs> lower than uh, like the main entrance to the church. If okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. By, by quite a lot. So, so it's like a stories down without going down stories? Yes. Okay. Because you've just walked down and around just a slope. Okay. The okay. street slopes down. So on the regular level side, they're... Uh, street lights, just, you know, everything's bathed in that typical kind of orange, amber street light that you find mo- most places mm-hmm. in the world. People are here and there, um, cars, and you can hear folks talking, cars going by, doors open to pubs and whatnot. Um, but when you go around down the back, suddenly it gets a lot more quiet, though it is still lit. Mm-hmm. And then you you stand and you're like, wow, look at this giant gate in an old <laughs> wall. It's locked. And it's like a big wrought iron. I don't want to call it a portcullis because it doesn't lift up mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like that. But just think big like that. Okay. Um, it's locked, but of course the guide has the key. Of course, yes. <laughs> he has the key to the yeah. gates of hell. He can't so, just show you the gates mm-mm. of hell. So he's like, all right, we're going in. And Tony and I are like, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, we go through them. He closes them behind us, locks them behind us. So now we are locked inside this thing. Um, <laughs> but once you go through the gates, you're in an open area, like a courtyard. Okay. Um, so you go through the gates and then through, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of like the little tunnel, right? To mm-hmm. get Because it was a wall, right? Oh, so right. Through, like the, through the wall section, you know, that's just feet in, yeah. in depth. And then out into a courtyard. And on the left of you, a piece of wall continues to where it meets the church itself. This whole area is pretty dark. There are trees above you and light is coming through from the road and stuff. But um, it's not like so dark you can't see in front of you. But it, there, nothing is in there lighting the space okay. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you could get out your phone flashlight. Um, I think the guide had a flashlight. So we walk up to the corner of where this uh, wall meets the church. And there we stand. And he proceeds to tell us why this place is called the Gates of Hell and what has happened here in this particular spot where we are standing and uh <laughs> yeah and um and it's just the two of you with the yeah tour and it's just the two of us that? and the tour guide it's funny i'm getting goosebumps just, i know just thinking about yeah. it which is not right. normal i've thought about it plenty since then because it's it's pretty cool so um it's quite sad but um just a fact of life over the years. So St. Audin's, or however you say it, is like the oldest medieval church in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And um, this particular area, it's like the backside door of the church is where a lot of women would come and surrender their children that they couldn't care for. Oh. So like, you know, if prostitutes had babies or maybe other people that, you know, just had children out mm-hmm. of wedlock and that's where they would be left. Mm-hmm. And it's also a place where um, a lot of uh, public sentencing, like to death and stuff, mm-hmm. would happen. Mm-hmm. Though the executions didn't happen there. But so sentencing and surrendering of children wow. happened there. Mm-hmm. So just over time, um, just the immense sadness and, right. and tragedy People of... People facing a major loss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, because we had told the guide that you know we were not um, really ghost believers or whatever but and then being on a tour with no other people um he just had to share with us well sometimes people here feel this and sometimes people here experience that and that was cool just hearing that stuff but so typical things to be uh it's more 
a feeling and I did feel the feeling going in there. There's like, it's new and it's dark. So that's scary. And just, yeah. you know, your pulse kind of starts speeding up because of that. But the, the air felt heavy mm-hmm. and the way it does when you get to walk into a really, really, really old place, yeah. yeah, just all the energy of what's gone on there. And then when you consider all the energy of what's gone on here is incredibly sad. Right. It was, yeah. it was tangible. Yeah. yeah. Right. And heavy. It's just the best way to put it. But so the, the guide talked about how mostly when there's a group of a dozen or so gathered there listening, once they leave that place, they'll talk of how they um, heard children or felt oh. tugging at their clothes at like at like the knee. Wow. You know? mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so he would just talk and he was telling other stories that I'll get into. And I was just watching and looking mm-hmm. and like staring at the dark, just wondering, not really going, well, I want to see something. Just yeah. Taking it, taking it in, taking it all in. It was pretty incredible. And then uh, he'll, he told us a story of a particular woman, and I'll, I'll get to that. But when he ended, it's going to be the end of the tour. So we turn from our corner now up uh, to the right, and there are stairs that lead up and around, uh, 40 stairs, in fact. And they're the normal height of a stair, so whatever that is, six or seven inches, mm. uh, Two or more people can pass up them next to each other, but they're quite uh, deep, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it takes a long time to go up these these 40 stairs. So when you're standing in that little corner, you can't see where they end. Okay. You know because there's a giant church in front of you that's going to let you out somewhere up there at mm-hmm. the front of the mm-hmm. church. So we get up there, um, and it lets you out into the churchyard, which would be <laughs> the graveyard. <laughs> Wonderful yeah. place to yeah. end. And that gate is also locked. But he has a key. But he has a key. Uh-huh. So he can, he can let you out. And then when it's over, he's like, well, this concludes our tour. And if you go down here and over to the right, you'll go to the one of, like the oldest pub in Dublin or the most haunted nice. pub in Dublin. It's called the Brazen Head. It's over there. So we went to it. Um, <laughs> Naturally. It was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'll come back to the other part. Okay. So, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, but okay. it was really, it was a great tour. So now i got to open up my story right here so I get all my facts straight. He told us about um, a woman named Darkie Kelly. Darkie's short for Dorcas. Her name is Dorcas Kelly. And um, there's quite... Dorcas, I just need to say this. That's a terrible name. You know, I think it might be biblical, and I meant to look it up. Yeah. I think it is, actually. My mother mother worked with a woman named Dorcas for the longest time, and as a little kid, I thought it was the cutest name in the world, and I would always giggle. Dorcas. It's funny, because when you hear it, you think of, you know, dorks, D-O-R-K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when I see it, I think of orcas the whale. I was thinking that, too. (laughs) Because that's how it's spelled. It's spelled orcas with a D at the beginning. Dorcas. Yeah. Anyway, I just need to to own that for myself. (laughs) All right. Um, So, let me tell you about Dorcas Darkie Kelly. Uh, An Irish woman who's been variously painted as an innocent victim, an evil witch, and much more recently even Ireland's first female serial killer. Ooh. Women can do anything. (laughs) So there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding this woman, but the one thing we know for sure is that she was burned at the stake in 1761. Oh. There was a late time to be burned at the witch. Burned at the Incidentally, or burned uh, as a witch. Uh, I mean, that's something, because it was like usually... 1600s. Like it was the middle. Yeah. It was early to mid 1600s. So there has to be a reason. By 1700s, that's a that was a rare practice by then. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a reason. So we had we've got three varying tales. So number one, Darkie Kelly, victim of 
the Hellfire Club. So if you oh. know anything, the Hellfire Club has been yes. long existing in England and Ireland and the like, and it's just like a fancy aristocrats club full of orgies and debauchery and mm-hmm. drinking and gambling and, you know, Satan worship and sacrifice and things like that. Yeah. They're bored. They want to dabble in <laughs> yeah, the occult. Just, you it's, know. it's bored rich men. Rich guys. Like, get together. It's like before strip clubs existed. Right. So, so there's a, one. There's it's a like particularly... Trump's. <laughs> whatever is uh, they may have created him at one of these with they might ritual. have he's a tulpa know. created by um, the hellfire the club that <laughs> trump he's a hellfire ritual I'll tell no, you what alright sorry <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they had a particularly heinous branch of the hellfire club in Dublin at the time the infamous hellfire club was a secret society of noblemen obsessed with the occult who met in locations throughout England and Ireland. It was said that their meetings were experiments in debauchery and rituals with the purpose of gaining greater power and uh, reveling in activities well outside the accepted moral ideas of the time. The famed hunting lodge on Montpellier... That's very good. Montpellier Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Outside Dublin, which you can also visit. That's probably the Irish You can also visit, yeah was said to have been host to the club's activities for an estimated 30 years, and as one of its members, Simon Luttrell, important guy to remember in this story, first Earl of Carhampton and the Sheriff of Dublin, Mm. figures famously into Darkie Kelly's tale. Darkie Kelly was a madam who owned a brothel called, I kid you not, Maiden Tower. (laughs) Which is situated very close to this church. Okay. Like, on Fishamble Street, we walked from that street... And now, in place of the brothel, is a pub called Darkie Kelly's. Oh, pretty cool. It's a convenient location. Yeah, exactly. You go, and then you go... Uh, so that's, yeah. That's pray how, for forgiveness. That's how legendary she is. They <laughs> yeah. named a pub after yeah. her on the street where her place used to be. Wow, so. okay. Um, so this legend goes, when she became pregnant with Latrell's child, the, the, what was he, the sheriff? Yeah, the sheriff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she approached him demanding support and helping to raise said child. Latrell, of course, denied that he was the father and in turn accused her of witchcraft. Kelly maintained that he took the child and sacrificed it in a satanic ritual with the Hellfire Club, but no body was ever found to support her claim. But history was not on her side. A woman accused of witchcraft hardly stood a chance, mm-hmm. especially when her accuser was a man of power. How things just change. They're so different nowadays. I know. It's not no, at it's all like, a it's cycle. So hard to, it's just that time doesn't resonate at all no, anymore. No, I don't anymore. get it. Yeah. yeah. Kelly was convicted of practicing witchcraft and was throttled, which is a partial hanging, and mm-hmm. then burned at the stake for her crimes. I have a more specific description of what that is if you guys want me to share it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay, do it. Okay, yeah. let me go. I, let feel me like, go. I feel like we have to, really. Let me find that to one. To honor her story. Um, I have to find and it's where it's fair warning, so that went. if you want to skip this part. Yeah. Well, no, it was hard to read because it was written in, like, really old English oh. at the time, the description, but I found one where they spelled it out in proper English for me. Um, I remember it enough. I've read enough. But basically, it it was like um, being partially hanged first and then burned. Mm. Yeah. Because it's so weird. People liked to witness these executions, but the folks being burned at the stake made a horrible racket, which Mm -hmm. made it very uncomfortable to watch for too long because they're just so loud. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) gosh, what can you do? Mm, Let's partially hang them first. So they can't scream. By the way, they only did this to women. Well, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so it's, well, if those women weren't screaming so loud, they wouldn't have to. 
So it's like the the <laughs> post that the that the woman would be tied to to with a uh, the stuff for the pyre built beneath her had extra stakes in it up higher, mm. and she was hung by the neck from those. But there were also chains supporting her, like under under the arms. So okay. they'd hang her first, and once she'd essentially passed out from that after yeah. fifteen minutes or so of hanging, oh, they would mm. cut that rope. And then she would fall down and the weight of her body and the chains would kind of lift her arms up above her head so she wouldn't slump in down into the fire entirely, but it would just then consume oh. her. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very creative. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty You know, why the slumping thing, why that is, is because if, if this is awful, and this is a horrible detail, but if, if you ever find yourself burning alive, um, the quickest way to go so it doesn't like consume you or you're not alive to feel it consume you is to just stick your face into what's burning and just breathe it in. Yeah. Cause you'll die from it, the smoke. Well, right? you'll die from like just breathing it in like the that. Heat. Apparently just so quickly it'll cauterize your lungs immediately and, and everything else. So it just, it kills you a lot quicker oh. and they figured this out because execution was a whole industry and they're like, how can we keep them along alive the to longest to the maximum more. pain? And so the chains were there to keep her from slumping forward and getting the chance of breathing the fire in before it consumed her from, you know, mm-hmm. toes to toe to head, which was just fucking awful. Like, who thinks of this shit? Yikes. Ugh. Version two. Darkie Kelly, practitioner of dark magics. This version mm. of the tale involves almost exactly the same players from the first, but there's no mention of Latrell being a member of the Hellfire Club. Darkie Kelly knew the sheriff because he visited her brothel on Fishamble Street. It was here, Latrell reported, that Kelly cast spells on him to try to extort money from him and force him to fall in love with her. She tormented him with her magic until he brought formal charges against her. Kelly was tried in a brutal fashion, as in the previous story, sentenced to death for the crime of witchcraft, throttled and burned for her crimes, and her brothel was shut down after her death. Knowing how the ripple effects of these trials often progressed, it's a wonder that all the women who worked for her at the brothel were not also brought up on charges right. of witchcraft themselves, which, yeah. you know, you know kind of takes away some credibility. Mm. It, I bet she just, like, rejected him. <laughs> and he was like, I want, I'll give you all my money. And she's like, no, dude. And he was like, I, I, want, I love you. I want to be with you forever. And she's like, gross, get off. I'm not into it. And then he was like... You're a witch. You made me feel this way. And how? Why would I feel this way if you weren't into it? You, you must be a witch. Uh, you don't like, throw or uh, I'm a professional. I'm just yeah. good at my right. job. Exactly. Exactly. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, she owned it. Yeah. She was a business owner. <laughs> yeah. Number three, Darkie Kelly, serial killer. Of all the stories surrounding her, this may be the most fascinating. In this version, there's no talk of witchcraft, no hellfire club. Instead, after much research, historians have come to agree that Kelly may have actually been a serial killer, the first of her kind in Ireland. It seems that the Madam of the Maiden Tower was accused of murdering a shoemaker by the name of John Dowling. The crime took place on St. Patrick's Day. Oh! Hmm. Hmm. It says in 1760. But I thought she didn't die until 61, but whatever. During their investigation, authorities performed a thorough search of her brothel. Upon entering a vault within the building, they discovered five more bodies. All of the victims were male, and it was believed that Kelly had murdered them all and stashed their bodies away to hide her crimes. 
The trial took no time at all. Kelly was sentenced to death. Oddly enough, at the time, a man convicted of such a crime would have simply been hanged. Kelly, however, was hanged and burned, which was the punishment not only for witchcraft, but also for a murderess, which offers an interesting glimpse into the thought processes of the time. Yes. But it's that's weird, too, because a lot of the times, if it was a woman that murdered, they were actually more lenient. Weird. Like, they would, a lot of times they would, uh, it, she would go to prison, but they wouldn't put her to death because there was this, it was kind of looked down on to put a Maybe woman to death. she killed five people and but, she was a prostitute. Yeah, so. right. And... I bet, I mean, with the fire thing, they had to, there had to have been some witchcraft thrown in there for flavor, at least. Well, and also bear in mind, too, like, again, by, by the mid to late 1700s, like, it was not that common, which, which trials weren't as common as they had been. They still happened, but they were exceptions to the rule. Right. And so it it just, because tastes just changed. I mean, everyone kind of learned their lesson from, from the witch trials in England and, of course, in Salem. And so the stuff didn't come up. When it did, it was serious, but it didn't come up all the time. People were very conscious of it, and there were opposing views. Like, people were capable back then, and like, that's bullshit. There's no such thing as witches. I mean, that was that was a prevailing view among many mm-hmm. cosmopolitan types at the time. Um, so it could be that the charges of her being a murderer were kind of, were also just tacked on to be like, oh, if you don't believe in witches, but you believe in murder, right? So we all agree we had gotta kill her. Like, I right. mean, it, that was mm. like, there. it's bullshit either way. Like, whether we, the witch was for, you know... The, that was that was what she was called for the cheap seats and murder for everyone that didn't believe in witches but we're like well we I mean she's a murderer we got we, we get whatever yeah. so it feels like it was all fucking made up um, yeah. because she was a woman who you know pissed off someone in power um, a sheriff no less well and and it seems odd that the serial killer thing wouldn't be until recent mm-hmm. like, I don't know why you that, that thought is, but that, that would is... have been everywhere that I mean she killed five men so. Uh, I feel, if I remember correctly, our guide told us that version of Mm -hmm. kind of all-encompassing. He gave us all the information, but I don't, while the serial killer story is the most recent, I don't know how recent. You know, it's not like five years ago they discovered. I feel like it's... It's probably been around for a while, and it's been, they've only called yeah. her a serial killer since the, the name term. serial killer oh, has been around. Well, maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, because yeah. there have yeah. been people that have murdered lots of people before, and they've known, but they did, they just called them, like, you know, I like werewolves. The end. <laughs> the end of this one is fun, though. It's said that the prostitutes who, who had worked for Kelly at the time held a raucous wake to mourn her, Aww. which ultimately turned into a riot in the streets. Love oh, it. I love that. That's Thirteen great. women were arrested and imprisoned <laughs> for disturbing the peace and damaging property. I love them. <laughs> Something love else them. that's really interesting, though, is that the the origins of the whole uh, pregnancy by <clears throat> Luttrell and witchcraft story, mm-hmm. there's a little offshoot of that. Um, they think that that part of the story being attributed to Kelly is newer than what actually happened. Um, Luttrell had a son uh, named Henry who in later years also, I guess, became the sheriff or the earl or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, he frequented a brothel and uh, and it may have been Kelly's brothel, but of course she's dead uh, by this time. And... um, there's like a, a young girl. How does it go? But it's it's all about Latrell's son is the one who either impregnated a, a young girl or mm-hmm. was interested in a girl far. T- oh, he, he raped her. That's what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, nobody could prove anything. And then prostitutes from the brothel came forward and said, "No, no, no. She actually works for us. Like she yeah. looks like a kid, but she's a working yeah. kid." And so. 
yeah, really horrible stuff. Oof. And then yeah. they just kind of tacked that, into got tied it. into the Darkie Kelly legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, she was a real person. She was a real person. And she yeah. really and did she uh, get burned, get at, the burned at, the, at the stake. Brutal, brutal, awful way. So uh, now she, just <sighs> to wrap it up, now she's known as um, uh, the Green Lady of St. Auden's because she's seen um, haunting the steps there. Really? Those very steps, the steps that, that we walked up, up, but she never goes inside. And people say maybe because she doesn't feel worthy of entering mm-hmm. a church, or is she there because there's if she did have a child, no one could ever find evidence of it. Was it taken by Latrell and sacrificed? Or is she there just because spirits of children are there? Mm. Whatever. So that's kind of how she remains in legend. So after we visited and then went on uh, to the to the pub and said goodbye to our guide. And Tony told me uh, that he was really surprised when we got up the steps and around the side of the church to find that the gate at the top was locked. Because while we were down there uh, listening to the story, he swears he heard someone walking on those steps (gasps) and didn't think anything of it because, like I said, it wasn't terribly late. Mm -hmm. And um, while that one gate was locked, he didn't. Know right, they could have come there. down and gone back up. Exactly. He thought it could have been another tour, it could have been anything. And and that he saw someone out of the corner of his eye, like a white, someone in, in white. <gasps> Bitches in white! Bitches in white! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... Wow. Yeah. What? Weird, right? That is weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great that's story. That's really Thank good. you so yeah, much for sharing that with us. Oh was God. it super fun to... Yeah. History. yeah, yes, it was. Really it was also a little bit frustrating because, you know, it's been, I guess, four or five years since then. And I just wish that I could remember it, the story exactly as the guide told it, because yeah. he knows it inside and out. Right. And it's not the same when you go looking online to try right. and figure it out. It's true. Yeah. 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 It's true. Oh, it's it was so great. Good, it's, it's worth it. Going on those little tours, whether you're mm-hmm. into ghosts or not, they're just so fun because... You learn so much. Yeah, the ghost, I love a ghost tour because you get a different version of history besides just the famous people. You get the, the people that... Yeah, regular every, people. Regular people and what it was like for those people and the drama. and you Ghost know, tours really, they, they do a lot to keep otherwise forgotten history alive. Uh-huh, I agree. Um, because people will go because it's foul ghosts and stuff. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to learn about, like, I'd never heard of this you know, Dorcas Kelly before. And I'm like, what a, what an awesome, like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say awesome, like a positive, you know, positive yeah. but what a, what a, what a good story to know. I mean, like right. what a, what an instructive <laughs> thing. And I'm like, it wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be in a history book necessarily, unless mm-hmm. you were a historian digging for that kind of stuff. So like, that's awesome. Oh, I have yeah, pictures too. So we'll have to send oh, them to yes. you. Oh, yes. we'll them on it'll, it'll make it make more sense. Like my description of the, the churchyard yeah. and everything. Awesome. It's pretty neat. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. The gates of hell. That's exactly what I imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We'll put it up there for you. Cool. Okay, Michael, were you gonna fill us in on something? I could. I mean, I guess we could bring it home with a couple of weird little, you know, little folklore issues that I that I had some experience of as a kid because I had um, two very eccentric sets of grandparents on both Mm -hmm. sides and a lot of Irish. I never would have guessed that. I know. I guess I was the. It skipped a generation. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I. So I had my. Um, on both sides of the family. Um, now, on one side, my mother's side, um, very, very Irish. Very Irish. On my dad's side, they're more Welsh. 
mm-hmm. with a little bit of Irish in there as well, but but they're more they're more proud of their Welsh. Um, but on my on the on the very Irish side, my mother's side, um, my grandfather used to like to tell me because they were very into Irish stuff in general, very very proud Irish. And um, it was interesting, like, historically, they didn't celebrate St. Patrick's Day because we're descended from Irish Protestants. So mm-hmm. it was a no-no mm-hmm. to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. That's right. a Catholic thing. We don't do that. And so if my grandmother ever caught you wearing green on St. Patrick's Day, she'd pinch you anyway, <laughs> um, because it should have been orange. Because um, <laughs> my family was from Antrim, or that side, which is very, very, very northern mm-hmm. Ireland. And... Uh, so anyway, so, uh, but my grandfather used to love to say that we were, that his side of the family were descended from the Sithi, which is the, the sort of, or the Tuatha del Danan, the, 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 the wee folk, the fairy, the right. fancy, fancy Irish names for, for the good, the, the good neighbors, the wee folk. There's so many. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting how, you know, they, they're thought to be, you know, in modern times, fairies and, and elves and all that are thought to be very um, diminutive and quaint and we think of Tinkerbell and, and you mm-hmm, know the good mm-hmm. fairies from Sleeping Beauty and whatnot. but they're, they're much more menacing than that uh-huh. you know they, there's a much more relationship to what we now think of as like demons and goblins and, and things like that they were much they were all kind of uh, well, we've talked about this before with poltergeists being that that was a popular term that actually uh, grew popular because it was a convenient umbrella term for a bunch of different folklore mm-hmm. concepts that they were just ah let's just let's just kind of let's give it one name guys because we have too many names for these things. <laughs> but they at one time, especially you know pre-Christian pagan beliefs, these were all very distinct creatures with their own hierarchy, their own um, their own uh, mos their own stuff. And so, uh, so anyway, so, but they're thought to be the, the city, the Tuatha del Danan were thought to be. And my grandfather used to speak in this made up language that he would tell me was like a, <laughs> was like a fairy language and he, <laughs> he would teach it. It was totally made up as That's far amazing. as I know. Um, but what's really cute about it, um, is when, uh, you know, a few years ago he passed away at, at the ripe old age of 89 mm-hmm. and his memory had started to go uh, in the past couple of years of his life, sadly, which you know, so many stories that were lost because of that. But, but I remember the first time I went to go see him, uh, after he'd been moved into the memory unit and my mother had told me like, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be grandy as you remember him. Like he's, he may not recognize you. And I was like, come on, I just saw him like a month ago. She's like, it, it got bad really quickly when they moved him. This happened sometime. Now, fortunately he did kind of regain his memory for a little while once he adjusted to life in the new place. But when I first saw him, he had this moment where he did not recognize me. And I was like, this is the man who raised me. And I was terrified by this. And I just kind of looked at him and on instinct, I just started speaking to him in our little made up language. And he remembered and he started oh, talking back to it. I was like, oh my God, it's real. It's so crazy. Elves and fairies are real. Um, <laughs> but that's not the story I wanted to tell you. Oh, I liked it um, anyway. <laughs> no. He also told me, and my grandmother backed him up on this. And my grandmother was a very no nonsense woman who was like, oh, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, that's, that's, <laughs> um, so my grandmother, who was very no-nonsense, would still like, oh yeah, that's, that's the legend in the family, was that our family had a banshee. And you guys know what banshees are, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they are spirits of women, they are thought to be of the wee folk, of the good neighbors, they're, they're in that hierarchy. And they are spirits of usually very hideous looking women. Um, I don't know whether they're actually hideous or whether the people that see them are like, oh, they're ugly because the circumstances are ugly, usually ugly, but they are often attached to a family and they're the, they're lamenters, they're keeners. They, uh, keening is a kind of Irish, uh, lament, uh, mourning. It's, it's a, you used to, in it's a traditional, cry, yeah. it's a, it's a type of crying. It's, it's somewhere between singing and crying. It's a wee, if you've ever heard a real keener, 
Um, it's really eerie. Like it's like it, a throat and it, they maintain but it. Sad. It's <laughs> yeah, it kind of. Yeah. And they, people would make their living off this. People, you know, mm-hmm. in Ireland and England, but mostly in Ireland and Wales, would be professional keeners that would go and for days uh, while the body was in state would would hang out in the home and keen because it was thought to it was to honor the dead, but it was also to like I guess keep bad spirits away because the sound mm. was really. So, um, similar to wearing a mask on Halloween, you know, you basically just you you beat yeah. the you beat the scary things to the punch by being more scary. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, makes sense. Uh, that was part of the thinking. So the these, but it grew out the keening tradition, at least in part, is thought to have grown out of the belief in banshees, which foretold the death of a member of the family, or foretold of something dangerous. Like sometime there are some accounts of people on the road, uh, you know seeing a woman by a river washing her hair or washing laundry and keening, which is a very eerie sound, so you'd hear it long before you'd see the person, and it would, and you'd just go the other way and learn later that, oh, had I gone forward, like, you know, I would have died. They have a, and they have a, kind of a, a bad name, like, they're bad luck, but in reality, it's more like a warning. Yeah. Um, And it's the people who don't heed the warning that Mm -hmm. have the bad luck. Mm -hmm. So they're actually very helpful. They're, they're very helpful, but they are thought to foretell. They don't bring, they're not harbingers they're not, of no. death. They're just, they're just messengers. They're just more like, like yeah, P.S. death. P.S. this person's going to die. And if yeah. you hear that keening, it's, it means, you know, it's time to. It means whoopsies ghost. <laughs> whoopsies <laughs> ghost, right. But my, but my grandfather and my grandmother believed in them. Um, I've never heard, I've never heard a banshee. I've heard professional keeners before, but I've never heard um, a banshee. A banshee. That I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, but my other grandparents. Who else had a bit of Irish? They're mostly Welsh. My other grandparents believed wholeheartedly in a lot of weird things. <laughs> also very Christian as well, but they had a lot of Irish and Welsh folk belief kind of mixed in that they had just gotten from their parents, who I think their parents were off the boat. I think they they were they came over when they were children, so it was kind of in their living memory to be like, oh yeah, we just kind of grew up with this. These are the people that. Um, one afternoon, my brother and I, as children, were playing over there, and I don't know, he, I had gotten a hold of a, a hold of a broom, and I was chasing him with it, and in, in the process of, like, sword fighting or whatever, I hit him with the bristles end of the broom, which is a very, 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 very bad thing to do, apparently, mm-hmm. and they made this huge fucking thing out of it, where, like, we were both in a lot of trouble because of it. <laughs> my grandfather and my grandmother had to, like, sit me down, they stood my brother up in the middle of the kitchen, and they, they took out, like, Morton seasoning, and, like, s- sprinkled <laughs> A, like a salt circle around him Martin. and like broke the broom in half and put it inside the circle and did this whole thing and I had to pray and it was like what and then they had to they buried the broom in the backyard right and they had to go get a new broom and it came out of my allowance well you had cursed him I didn't know no one told me no yeah. one sent me down to you have this conversation that I should me. that I couldn't come after my brother with the broom yeah and it's because the broom is in charge of sweeping filth away. Mm-hmm. And so if the part that has filth is being put onto someone, they catch that filth. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it can make them very sick, and it can, you know, yep. bring bad luck and things like that. So yes. they yes. just didn't want him to die. And That's nice. Were, I mean, yeah. very, they, were, they were loving in their way. They were, yeah. But they believed wholeheartedly in the clearies, which were which mm. kind of a derivation of clericon. Now, clericons are related to... It's a type of Irish fairy uh, folk mm-hmm. spirit... And they're related to leprechauns, and they're very similar. Like, someone's described them as, like, they're basically leprechauns on a drinking spree. 
because <laughs> they have a lot of they have a lot of the same features except they're they're always alone um they don't come in they're never seen in groups like like some like the famous fairy troops the dancers and things like that are seen they're always individual um they usually they tend to haunt uh breweries and pubs and and uh you know distilleries uh, or just you know people's homes if if drink for, they drink a lot you know drink a lot and so they would leave out, um, and they, they're supposed to, like, apparently one of the beliefs that my grandparents had was if you, um, if you didn't leave thing, offerings out for them once or twice a night or a week, rather, I forget what the time frame was, but if you didn't offer, um, something for them at night, then, then your garden wouldn't grow or mm-hmm. your garden would straight up be fucked up. Like they'd get mad and mm-hmm. just like go through it and like dig things up and, yeah. you know, there go the tulips and the azaleas or whatever. And my grandmother, my grandmother told Totally believed in it, took it very seriously. Now they, when when I was a kid, they used to leave out bowls of milk, but I found out later that they actually left out bowls of booze in the milk. Oh. Which I found, I was talking to my father about this earlier, because I was like, yeah, as a kid, I was like, I think it's just like cats or raccoons or something just getting it, of course, and drinking it. But then to think that they were actually leaving out booze, and I'm like, there were probably a lot of drunk alley cats. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Which is like, oh, well, that's the keening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 that my other grandparents were hearing. It all comes together. It's all rational conversation. Um, but yeah, they totally believe in that. And yeah. I will say, my grandmother had a lovely garden. Well, there you go. We do uh, uh, fairy stuff with the girls in our garden. Mm-hmm. Did it last summer. And uh, so we have little furniture and stuff. That's adorable. And, they, and it, we don't do, because I know they have like... Um, like you can do a pot that's a fairy garden and it's just like a little like like a dollhouse outside yeah. but for fairies. But we don't do that. We go and we hide the chairs like on like we have a little like a seating area and we put that on a stump. And then something else is maybe under a flower and they kind of move stuff around Aww. all over and we put a little um I need to get a thimble, but we had a little spoon like a plastic spoon part just the scoopy part. And to put a little honey in there and put it out. Aww. And then they went out and they were like, it's gone! And at the time, we had a rat in the back. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what? It must be a fairy! And then <laughs> Seraphina was like, fairies fairy. aren't real, are they? And I said, I don't know. Have you ever seen one? Mm-hmm. And she said, no. And I was like, well, then how do you know? <laughs> yeah, how do you know? She totally went with you it. Know? She was like, that's that's true. <laughs> I haven't nah. ever seen one, so that's I don't know. Great. That's great. It was really great. So yeah. we, we have a little magical. But... Uh, yeah, I, I haven't done that it. since they left in the garden shit. So maybe I need to like, <laughs> take care of your fairies. Take care of my fairies a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the actual fairies are not like, yeah, there are certain areas some people won't go. Mm. Certain areas of water they won't cross yep. because that's where the fairies are and yeah. you got to stay away from it because the idea yeah. is they'll take you with, you know, to the other. Yeah. That's also the concept of the changeling comes from mm-hmm. is that like fairies were thought to kidnap children and put one of their own in its place. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a there's a school of thought. I haven't said that phrase you in a haven't. long time. There's a school of thought that thinks that tradition comes from parents who suddenly uh, whose child is stricken with some form of mental illness, only you know after they're a certain age old, like uh, perhaps um, uh, you know, or or perhaps they have Asperger's or autism because they're mm-hmm. usually the parents in in folklore traditions people that would say that their, you know, their kid just wasn't the same anymore. Like, they were just different. Like, they were just kind of distant, half asleep, you know, whatever. And they never, and they never got out of it. And so this, out of that arose this tradition that their real child had been 
plucked away by by the fairies and was probably living it up in in um, fairyland. In fairyland. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as royalty or something, while they just left you know one of their own that was like a Aww, thought to be so like a poor sad. approximation of a child of a human child that they had kind of spirited into being to kind of provide you know yeah. the parents with you know it's like indiana jones leaving the rock on the, <laughs> on the <movie> <laughs> right. you know um but that's the concept of the changeling comes from so yeah. this is really good of um oh what's the book called it was a really popular book um um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Normal mm, mm-hmm, uh, deals mm-hmm. a lot in that. In it's a fictionalized like story, but there yeah. deals a lot in that great like magical uh, folklore of the wee folk, and and it's really really good. It's a really yeah. good. It's a long read, but it's worth it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so that's our. Uh, I guess that's it. For that's today. our Saint Patty's Day. Thank you. It's a good Caitlin, one for joining. Thanks for us. having me. It was fun. You Is there anything been. you want to pimp out? Oh. Um, I don't know. You can follow me on social media. There you go. Do it. Um, mainly I'm on Twitter, and it's at Caitlin's Voice. C-A-I-T-L-I-N-S Voice. That's Caitlin spelled the Gaelic way. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate your story. You've been an amazing guest. It was fun. Yes, you have. It was fun, guys. We're glad to have another guest back in here. We haven't had one in quite a while, so yeah. Yeah. we are. Thank you. Welcome. Our third you. guest. Woohoo! It's special because yeah. I listen to your show all the time. I know. No, it's special that you listen. Yeah. That makes us happy. Oh. And thank you, everybody else, for listening. Uh, I guess that's it for today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, please make sure you give us good reviews and give us high ratings and all of those things. Uh, follow us as well on social media, School Intent, um, on Twitter. And Google Intentions on Instagram and the Google Intentions fan page as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. You can go to uh, GoogleIntentions.com for all those, to access to all those uh, social media sites and where you could submit your own story to be considered for, uh, as our cold opening for a future episode. And where you can go and you can find merch. We love to see pictures of you guys in the Ghoul Intentions shirts, which are super awesome and Well, comfy. and also, uh, you can send us, you know, we use a lot, now that we're doing the ghosticles, we use a lot of those stories for ghosticles too, yep. so we definitely need those stories to keep coming yes. in, and we thank you everybody. They're so good. Very, very true. Yeah. And I guess we come to the part where now you have, oh, yeah. you have a quote for me I today? do have a quote for you. Oh, excited. I had to text it to myself. <laughs> um, uh, let me find it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so not ready, but I might as well. <laughs> Did you see uh, it? Caitlin's <laughs> very happy. Chekhov? Well, this here is McCoy. We find a Spock, we got us an away team. I, I feel like it's too obvious. It can't be what I'm thinking. Okay. Chekhov? Well, this here is McCoy. We find a Spock, we got us an away team. No, it's not. It's not. It's a reference to Star Trek, but that's not what it's from. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, let's think about what our theme is today. Irish. Okay. Uh uh Uh-huh. All right. All right. Say it again. Okay. I love it. I feel like the person on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire that's like trying to logic out an answer. Like, you can't. You either know it or you don't. Like, there's no like, well, maybe I guess it could be the one. Yeah. (laughs) You may not have ever seen this one. There's a lot of things. Have you seen? It's Boondock Saints. Oh, damn it! I have seen it, and I love yeah. Boondock Saints, and I didn't know that. It's Murphy McManus, who's Norman Reedus, of course. I'm sorry. I'll go. It's I'll all right. go. I'll just leave. 
It's okay. Kaylin, do you want to be the permanent co-host? <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't have any ghost stories. I told my one story. He's just, I'll, have, I'll, get, you, I'll get you an easier one next time. No, don't do it. I, I thought did. you would have seen it and that you would have known d- it. I did. I'm just really bad at remembering quotes from okay. movies, I That's guess. That's right. I mean, I've seen it. I saw it like twice in my life and I loved like, it, but it's, it has been a while. Yeah. Now I'm going to go watch it again. You should. It's great. Everybody should watch it. It is a great it's movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, you want to say it with us? Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. remember, it's It's okay okay to sleep with the lights on. on.